It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm Teresa. And I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Welcome to episode 132 of the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. We've had several episodes focusing on individuals with special needs that are doing amazing things. In episode 7, we had both Paralympian Melissa Stockwell and Kia Brown with her Disabled But Cute movement. There was Wesley Hamilton in episode 15 with his inclusive physical training for both the able-bodied and differently abled. Professional one-armed surfer Bethany Hamilton in episode 8. Episode 35 with the father and son triathletes that make up Team Hoyt. Episode 38 with Paralympian Craig Blanchett with his 21 world records that he achieved in his wheelchair. Episode 43 with David Brown, the fastest blind runner in the world. There's episode 53 with Lizzie Velasquez and her campaign to stop bullying. Episode 84 and Terry Fox's amazing run across Canada to help fight cancer. David Egan, an amazing public speaker who shows that people with Down syndrome are a lot more alike than different from anyone else. That was episode 91. There's an amazing pioneering deaf stunt woman, Kitty O'Neill, in episode 125. And most recently, in episode 128, there's Shayna Unger and Scott Lehman, two deaf mountain climbers who are training to climb Mount Everest and are working to make the outdoors more accessible for people with disabilities. I'm sure there are other stories we've covered as well. We've done so many stories because nothing shows guts, determination, and passion like people who have challenges taking on more than anyone thought possible and achieving incredible things. These people truly inspire us. Today, we're happy to be talking to John Slifka. John is an advocate for people with disabilities and an inspirational speaker. John was born with spina bifida and has spent his life in a wheelchair, has been an athlete, a coach, the state of Connecticut's governor's liaison to the disability community, and now is an inspirational speaker. John has been tireless in his fight to improve access and quality of life for disabled people. John grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut, and was one of the first students with a disability mainstream through the public school system in his town. All sorts of firsts with this guy, including being the first person with a disability to play for the West Hartford Little League, and the first disabled student to play on West Hartford High School tennis team. John was the March of Dimes poster child from 1985 to 1987. In 2014, John was appointed to a cabinet-level position for Governor Donnell P. Malloy. His official title was Governor's Liaison to the Disability Community, the first position of its kind in the state of Connecticut. John focused on issues related to employment, housing, education, and transportation. John is currently Executive Assistant to the Commissioner of the Department of Aging and Disability Services and has been appointed to several task forces and committees, including Police Transparency and Accountability Task Force, the Police Officers Standards and Training Council, Hate Crime Advisory Council. He's aiming to create a statewide policy to eliminate all transportation-related deaths and severe injuries. John previously volunteered for the West Hartford Advisory Commission for Persons with Disabilities. He was a former chair of the West Hartford Democratic Town Committee. John co-founded Miracle League of Connecticut and continues to serve on the board of directors. He's also a member of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force for the Playhouse 
on Park in West Hartford. He's a trailblazer for sure, and I could go on and on and on with the stuff that he's done, definitely helping improve lives for those around him, particularly those with disabilities. And we're so excited to have John on our show and can't wait to share his interview with you. Thank you so much, John, for chatting with us this afternoon. I'm super excited to get to know you. Me too. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> so a couple things. I I know that you were born with spina bifida. Yes. Which is a genetic disease. Mm-hmm. And so you've lived the majority of your life in a wheelchair. Correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And I know that your mom, in having struggles with finding a sports camp for you, I loved, loved, loved reading that your mom, she saw that need, and so she created an adaptive sports camp. She did. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's quite a, a remarkable story. So I uh, I was a poster child for the March of Dimes mm-hmm. in the mid nineteen eighties here in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and through that through that experience was able to meet Yvonne Lendl, uh, who tennis legend, and former number one player in the world, won multiple Grand Slam tournaments, and uh, and I did have. At the at the time, a, a a little bit of a desire to to at least learn how to play tennis, mm-hmm. and so Yvonne, with armed with that knowledge, he attended an event. It was like a it was almost like a convention for all the various sports brands, Nike, Adidas, etc. That mm-hmm. where they put on display their new merchandise, mm-hmm. their new items that they're going to be putting out there, and Yvonne was at that convention. And it was kind of one of these things where the stars aligned right because there were people that were there from the National Foundation of Wheelchair Tennis. That, that's what it was called at the time. They've mm-hmm. now since been uh, taken under the umbrella of the USDA, which is which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there were a couple of people there from the National Foundation of Wheelchair Tennis that were there to specifically meet Yvonne to ask him to be a an ambassador mm-hmm. for wheelchair tennis. And so they got in line and they got to meet Yvonne and they made their ask and Yvonne said, I'll do it. But what I want you to do is I have a friend out in Connecticut that wants to learn how to play. And they said, okay, well, let's figure out how to do this. So I was flown out to, to California to participate in a rather intense, primarily it was a tennis camp. There were other, mm-hmm. other, other sports as well, but primarily a tennis camp for a couple of weeks, I believe. And when we came home, we quickly learned that there were, again, there were no camps like this pretty much along the entire eastern seaboard. Mm -hmm. And so my mother, I was already involved in wheelchair racing, and I had played Little League Baseball here in town and and was the first first kid in a wheelchair to play Little League Baseball uh, in the state. And thankfully, through this camp experience and tennis experience, I was the first kid in a wheelchair to play uh, for a high school tennis team as well. But uh, when when we came back, my mother said, this isn't right. We need to change this. And with the help of the people from the National Foundation, along with Yvonne doing, uh, I think, at least two, maybe three fundraisers beforehand, mm-hmm. she was able to to get this camp off the ground. Mm-hmm. And 33 years later, it is um, it is still going. She doesn't run it anymore. But, yeah. But the camp is still, uh, still going and still going strong. And Yvonne is still involved. And, oh, that's awesome. Uh, since he retired from tennis, he now mm-hmm. does a, a golf fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is, you know, it, a huge testament to to my mother and and uh, and her willpower to right some injustices. Exactly, exactly. Definitely a mama bear right there. But they have 
all sorts of different sports there that they can do basketball, swimming. Did I read that right? Yeah. And they have counselors that also are in wheelchairs. So they, I I just think that's. We've had along the, along the years, we've had some, some world-class wheelchair athletes, Mm -hmm. these kids to play these sports. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't ask for, for better in terms of, in terms of that regard. Also, I think one of the things that my mother is proudest of is 33 years later, this camp continues to be free to Mm -hmm, all the kids mm -hmm. that participate. Yeah, I read that. They get a week, no charge, which is, I mean, I'm sure life-changing for so many of them to be able to be included. Yeah, for so many of them, this is is their first exposure to a lot of these sports. Mm -hmm. For others, it's their only exposure Mm -hmm. to some of these sports. And for some, it's uh, for a, a certain percentage of them, it's a continuation of their exposure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what we've loved to see over the years is, and, and I'm one of them, we love to see kids that started off as campers that continue through it and, and ultimately age out, mm-hmm. but then come back and participate as counselors so that and they can continue to be, uh, to be role models for the yeah, young kids. And mentor those kids. I just think that's just, I mean, I... I so admire your mom for yes. for for making that happen, and everybody else that, that makes, obviously that, made it happen. That makes three of us. Yeah, <laughs> John. Before we got on, I was telling Teresa. Um, just speaking of mothers, I would love to hear about your wife. And I haven't heard anything <laughs> about her, and I would just love to know about her and how she inspires you. And wow. Um, so my wife is. Let me let me back up. To my mind. It takes a very special and unique individual to pursue any kind of a relationship with a person with a disability, let alone date them and ultimately marry them. Mm -hmm. She is the prime example of that. From the very day that we met, she, she did not care that I was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. She didn't, she, she, she very quickly got around to making fun of me, (laughs) which which I love. I've always said, if you get to know, as long as you get to know me a little bit, a little bit, make fun of me all you want. Right. Uh, and and that stems a lot from my parents. My dad said, my dad taught me very, very young. He said, "Don't make fun of people's weaknesses. Make fun of their strengths." Mm, I <laughs> and, love that. I'm going to write that down. I love that. That's a and, good one. <laughs> and, and he told me that, and, and this is him talking, not me. You know, in my, throughout my life, I've turned my disability into a strength. Mm-hmm. And so if my wife want to make fun of that all day long, you know, go for it. Uh, and, and we have a four, four and a half year old daughter and she'll treat my wheelchair like a toy. She'll steal it from me. Oh, that's so it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. But my wife is a, is a, an incredibly remarkable and, and, and strong person. And, you know, my inspiration that I draw from her is she doesn't see anybody any differently. Mm-hmm. You know, we're involved in organizations that involve kids with different disabilities, etc. Mm-hmm. She works at a school that focuses on the autism uh, mm-hmm. community. So, mm-hmm. you know, she she has embraced that in so many ways in, in her adulthood. And if, if ever I try to be lazy about something or, <laughs> or, you know, use my disability in any way as a crutch. The, the first person that will stop that from happening is, is my wife. <laughs> she'll, she'll, John, get up, you know, go do yeah. this. She's not going to take go, your excuses. Knock it off. <laughs> she knows you're stronger <laughs> than that. <laughs> she does. And, I love and it. And she brings that, you know, that you're, you're supposed to find people 
you know, when it comes to relationships, you're supposed to find people that make you better. Exactly. Yeah. She, she makes me better. Good. And she, and she makes me feel even less like I have a disability mm-hmm. than I already do. Mm-hmm. And ask for much more than that. I love That's, my wife to death. Yeah. She knows yeah. that. And, yeah. And, uh, and I hope she'll hear that when she, when she listens to this. <laughs> no, we'll wasn't that. planned. We that wasn't we planned. Will, we, we will, yeah, I, I just, you know, I listened to a couple podcasts with you in it, and I hadn't heard much about your wife. And I just kind of felt like she's got to be an amazing person. I just had that feeling. And so I really wanted to hear about her, too. And I appreciate that. You know, she hadn't been mentioned in another podcast primarily because people hadn't asked. And, and mm-hmm. right. You know, I didn't find a way to to, mm-hmm. to naturally mm-hmm. fit that in, which is my own fault. But it's <laughs> no, no. okay. We're just we're just but, curious. Yeah, yeah. No, no, to be asked. No, she's great. Andrea yeah. is a sweetheart, and yeah. you know, I love it. inspires and me chasing every day. But around your daughter or, too, or, our daughter. Yeah. Um. So I know that you were the first. Like this was before ADA, the American mm-hmm. Disabilities Act. Correct. When you went through the school district, went through the school system in Connecticut. So can you kind of talk yeah. about like what your parents had to fight for, what you had, like what you had to endure? Theirs was the, theirs was the primary fight, right? I'm mm-hmm. six, seven years old going through right. the school system. So I don't, I don't know anything about advocacy at that point, but what my parents saw with my disability was they said, look, this, the disability is not affecting him cognitively or mentally. Mm-hmm. His brain is fine. Mm-hmm. therefore we need to treat him as such. We, he doesn't need to go to special ed. He doesn't need to be, we're going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. We're going to mainstream him through the, through the, through the system. And so they pursued that. They, they ran across many, many challenges. So the first school that I went to was a, was a Catholic school that had no elevator. And so I had to be, and I didn't have my first wheelchair, I think until I was 10 years old, I want to say. So mm-hmm. I was brought to school in a stroller more or okay. less. Okay. I was curious I how that worked because I, okay. Yeah. And I had to be carried up, up and down the stairs by all of the eighth grade boys. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I have a brother who's three and a half years older than me. And sometimes his class would be uh, to help me out as well. And, you know, it got to be very, uh, almost humiliating after a while and, mm-hmm. and isolating because I'm the only kid really with, with this disability that that has to go through this and as you grow you know you're, yeah. you become harder to care yeah yeah um, and so the school while the school system didn't have an issue with me mainstreaming me they also didn't know how to do it mm-hmm. and oh for example when i was at this catholic school their idea of me participating in recess was me bringing out my desk chair and having me sit in the schoolyard, basically watching all the other kids play. <laughs> That's just so and cruel. I, so and cruel. I very distinctly remember one of my classmates coming over, wanting to play with matchbox cars with me. And all I did was get out of the chair and get on the ground to play on the ground with him. Mm-hmm. And I got in trouble for that because I got out of the chair. They were so oh. concerned. Like I was a fourth doll, right? Like mm-hmm. I had to be... They were so concerned with injury and yeah. harm, and that that they didn't want me to to get to play, to move. yeah, to get to do yeah. stuff, yeah. yeah. Right. So it was very, very isolating for me to to go through that at times mm-hmm. uh, because I had nobody to relate to. Well, uh, nobody before you to know 
you know, to, to emulate in any way, shape or form or get advice right. from or. John, one thing you said in, in another interview, and I love this, I was talking to my older daughter today and I was telling her this quote and we both loved it. And I think it's important to talk to other people about this, but you said, treat them as a person first and then be careful. Right. Yeah. And I really love that yeah. because I thought, I know I'm guilty of mm-hmm. being careful first. I'm mm-hmm. one of those people. I really am. Yeah. Not in a mean way. Right. Right. Um, but this will forever be in my mind. And and with that, too, is just to treat them like a person first and then worry about the rest. Right. I think, look, unless you're dealing with a disability that the person has communications challenges mm-hmm. where they're, maybe they're nonverbal or you know something along those lines, Talk to them. Treat them like a person. Mm-hmm. Let them tell you where they may or may not need help. Let them tell you what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Meet them. In a lot of ways, meet them where they're at, mm-hmm. which is not easy necessarily for, for able-bodied people, but it's not impossible. No. And it starts with treating them like a person first. Yeah. And I think education is huge. When it comes to the disability community, look, you can read every book out there, mm-hmm. but everybody's experience with their disability is their own. Mm-hmm. And there's varying degrees of every disability. And the, so the best way to learn and the best way to be an ally is to learn from that person directly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're answering already my last question, because I was <laughs> going to ask you at the end, what can we do to you know promote change? And you're saying to to start by being an ally. I love, too, that you have on your um, website at johnslifka.com this quote from Augustine Ogmandino with, take the attitude of a student, never too big to ask questions, never know too much to learn something new. And I think that's so true that we're all, we're all growing, we're all learning, and I love that you're willing to talk to us about how we can better treat people and incorporate them into just our everyday lives without hurting feelings, without upsetting people, yeah. without not having them be able to be involved. Because I'm sure that teacher was probably just worried about breaking you, even though now hindsight, it's like, oh my gosh, she really was hurting you more by not letting you, you know, getting mad at you for being on the ground. Right, for isolating so, me. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah. Right. So I think the more we just learn the needs, of people out there, I think the better for sure. And I know you're helping that in so many ways. I think another thing too that you've brought up is to start teaching kids when they're young. Mm-hmm. You can't beat that. You know, right. the integration with those kids starts at, at the youngest mm-hmm. possible age. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a park here, uh, Miracle League Park. It's a base. It's a baseball league for for um, for kids with disabilities. And uh, I'm on the board of directors of the organization. And here in West Hartford, we built the first field in the state. And I take my daughter to go watch the games because, Mm -hmm. yes, she's got me to look at and say, Mm -hmm. okay, yep, daddy's in a wheelchair. I I understand it. I I get it. Uh, I can talk about it. But you need to see you need to see other disabilities as well. Mm -hmm. The more you can expose yourself to that, uh, expose kids to that Mm -hmm. at a young age. Uh, And also. Again, teach them that it's okay to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. Kids are na- kids are naturally curious. Yeah, and I would be hard pressed to find any kid, say up through nine or ten, that is acting curious and asking questions and also trying to be mean about it. Yeah. They, they don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. They're not. Yeah. Agreed. They're not. They're just They're curious. Questions. Yeah. But we yeah. as mothers and are I, the ones going, be nice, yeah. be nice. <laughs> Right. And I, and I can't tell you how many parents I've, you know, their little child will, will run up to me and they'll say, mommy, look, you know, and you can see they're excited to see Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And they're jealous of your wheels. (laughs) You think to squash that? You see the parents react to like, oh my God. And they'll look at me and they'll say, I'm so sorry. And I said, your your kid's being sweet and curious. There's nothing to be sorry for. No. Yeah, but once again, that no, goes they, back to the education. Behind me and started, you know, pushing me down, <laughs> a, you know, down the grocery aisle. Different story. I hope but, that uh, has not happened. Uh, no, usually my okay. wife's the one that. Okay. Does okay. <laughs> okay. As long I as had enough of you today, <laughs> Don. Enough. You know, I follow another interabled couple. Their names are Shane and Hannah, and it's really opened my eyes as well. Um, I think that's the right wording, interabled. I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I personally with it at least. <laughs> yeah, I had never heard it before them. And I just love too how that has opened my eyes to see this sweet couple mm-hmm. interacting. Um, they have a podcast. It's hysterical to listen to. Kind of the same as you, where she's she makes fun of his strengths, you know. Mm-hmm. He posted something the other day saying, I'm 30 years old and I was finally able to put my hand in my pocket on my own. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wow. Um, but I, I just well, love I'll, that. I'll do things like take pictures of our of our living room where my daughter has just put all of her toys. <laughs> it's like FAO shorts in my living room, and I'll post something. <laughs> I'll post a picture of that, and, under, and underneath I'll say, it's official, my living room is no longer handicap accessible. Like I came around my own house because my daughter has just put her toys yeah. everywhere. Um, and I know sometimes he's doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, she's in the corner being yeah. like, just try and get me down. Just try. Exactly. Exactly. I loved, I watched a speech that you gave, a talk at Goodwin University, which you must have worked for Goodwin College. Was it college before? I, I, yes, I previously worked for Goodwin College before I went to, before I went to work for the state mm-hmm. and I was invited back. Yeah. To give that speech, yes. So I, my favorite thing in that speech was when you asked them, because they were um, headhunters, mm. trying to give people with disabilities, find jobs for them. And you said, if someone had 13-year call center representative experience, if they um, had customer support systems and sales experience, they had worked for a personal vacation line with Carnival Cruise Line and then enrollment admissions for a college, quality assurance, and just all these things. And none of it on the resume said anything about them having a disability. And I think that was my favorite part with that whole talk that you gave them is that it should be, and it reminded me a lot of Martin Luther King Jr. where he talks about, you know, focusing on the character rather than the things that they can't do. So I loved right. that you you took that spin on it. And I also loved where you talked about giving them the dignity of risk. You know, letting people, we learn from our mistakes. We, we learn do. from our challenges. And if we don't give people the opportunity to have those challenges, they're not going to grow and neither will we. No, we're still, we're still very overprotective of the disability community in some ways we we need not be mm-hmm. and and i think that's uh, that's what i was trying to get at with mm-hmm. that is it, if you have people you know the story that i i was told was somebody who person with a disability who was given a job 
and for three days straight, they were late because they had they struggled navigating the bus schedule mm-hmm. to get to work. Wow. And so after three days, their boss called their job coach in or something and said, look, I don't think this is working out. And the job coach said, well, wait a minute. It has nothing to do with the job. Once they get here, they're mm-hmm. fine. Let's figure out this other piece. Mm-hmm. And they did. And lo and behold, yeah, that, that, that person was, was fine. Good. So it's, 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 it's always pointing or, or it's, there are still people that are quick to point out, oh, well, it's got to be the disability. So this mm-hmm. isn't working out. That's, it, yeah. that's not the way to be. No, no. Not the way to be. I also love with that, you talked a lot about with the movable obstacles and the immovable obstacles, and both of them had attitudes on there. Yep. And I, I love that because it's so true. It, yeah, it's absolutely true. And you can, it, it doesn't take long in talking to someone to figure out which, <laughs> which side. Yeah, yeah. Can I change your attitude yeah. or, yeah. or am I not going to be able yeah. to your attitude? Um, one thing I wanted to ask you that I didn't know is I know now that you work as a disability advocate. Mm-hmm. I really don't know what that is. And I would love to know more about what you do every day. Oh, see, I came here hoping you guys were going to tell me. (laughs) I don't. No, I have the big long list of what you've accomplished with doing your advocacy, but not like the day in, day out. Like how, how do you, how do you get things done? So I work for the, and, and and I'm just going to pause here and just say that because I work (laughs) for the state, I have to be careful with wording and and also, you know, I'm I'm here on behalf of me. I'm not Mm -hmm. here, you know, I. I could get in trouble, if you will. If, um, but that being said, you know, I work for the, I work for the Department of Aging and Disability Services. We, our primary focus at our agency with the disability community is employment, which is a, a huge passion of mine. The disability community is the largest minority in this country. Yes, it's actually mm-hmm. the largest minority in the world. It's Fifty that's, plus million Americans. Mm-hmm. That's just, and that's an underreported. That's yeah. an underreported number. Fifty million Americans. Yeah. 50 plus million Americans wow. and 1.5, 1.5 billion people across the world. I read mm-hmm. an article just a week ago that said if disability were a country, it would be the third largest country in the world. Wow. And what gets me about that is, is it's a severely underreported number mm-hmm. because there are people that won't self-identify for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. There are people that don't know that they have a disability. There are people that will just, they may have one, but they just don't think that they have one. So they don't advertise it as, as such. And so there are so many reasons why that number is underreported. But, you know, what I do on a day-to-day basis, I, I serve on working groups and, and task forces that, you know, talk about things like police accountability, police interacting with the disability community. Yeah. I'm on a council right now that is working on minimizing traffic incidences and, and mm-hmm. fatalities for persons with disabilities, mm-hmm. amongst others. Um of course, the the employment piece. I'm involved in a number of things with that. Uh, I'm serving on a committee right now that that is trying to address issues with respect to accessible medical diagnostic equipment. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I mean, wow. the, the range of things that I've done over the years since mm-hmm. state government range from education, mm-hmm. housing, transportation, mm-hmm. employment. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the 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 key areas to focus on because they're all really an interconnected uh, interconnected roadmap when it comes to the disability community. Absolutely. Just hearing this, just thinking about accessible medical imaging 
Mm-hmm. I would have never thought of that. I just would have right. never thought of it. Right. That just about blew my mind because... I wouldn't have thought, well, up until two, three years ago, I wouldn't have thought about, uh, I wouldn't have thought about police interactions with the disability. I, I, keep... I, was at, I was asked to serve on a, on a, on a task force because that my, my, I was viewed as, I'm using air quotes here. I was viewed as an expert mm-hmm. and I always talk about that because my, I always, when I think about things like that, I think about my dad again, who, who taught me at a young age. He said, listen, if, if you go into a room and you find that you're the smartest person in the room, find another room or you'll, or you'll never learn anything. Yeah. I love that. And it, yeah. And, but once I, but once I got this job in the state, particularly in the previous administration working for the governor, it was a title, right? Mm-hmm. I got a title. I wasn't any smarter. No. One day next, but suddenly I'm being asked <laughs> to go into a room to be the smartest mm-hmm. person in the room on certain things. <laughs> and I very vividly remember calling my dad. I was probably in the job like three weeks and said, dad, you remember that line that you taught me about the smartest person in the room? He said, yeah. And I said, well, sometimes I'm there because I am the smartest person in the room and, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and he just laughed and he said, that's a high class problem. <laughs> See, I just think your parents are, I just, I they love your parents so without even knowing them. And obviously Colleen loves your wife without having yeah. <laughs> met her. So. Um, and, I and my brother. Yeah. Brother, too. Listen, to have an older brother, to be someone with a disability, to have an older brother who's going to be an advocate for you, too, mm-hmm. who's going to for you. My brother is is a tremendous, tremendous person. He mm-hmm. served in uh, he served in our, our town council and was the mayor of our town for 12 years oh, wow. uh, up until 2016. Mm-hmm. And he taught me so much about advocating for myself mm-hmm. and and the inner workings of, of government, mm-hmm. the, the way to approach right. advocating yes. Yes. to the government. There's, there, it's, it's very different to do it within government mm-hmm. than it is, but you know, in businesses or or even just personally. I've learned a tremendous amount from him, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful every day that this is the family that I was born into. Yeah, you know, one thing I was thinking of just personally is what can I just do? Like my kids are grown, what can I do as a person? And I thought about recently how I came out of a grocery store and there was a person in a wheelchair sitting there. I had gone in and they'd been sitting there and I came out and they were sitting there. And I just walked up to them and said, do you need any help? Is there anything I can do for you? And they were like, no, 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 I have a ride coming. But I thought, can you think of something we could do more than that or... Just, I'm I'm glad that you did that because so many of us would okay. be too nervous. That you, I, I, nervous. I don't want to offend someone by asking them if I can help because yes, you know. Nope. But it's like you said. I, look, I truly believe that the people that would get upset with you for doing the people in the disability community that would get upset with you or or even further, you know, angry with you for doing that are so few and far between. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, just be curious, be kind, mm-hmm. be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the story and I am so, I just so appreciate that you shared on your blog, the Hannibal Lecter story. I, I love that you shared it. Okay. I I hate it. Yeah. You'll you'll have to, you'll have to tell Colleen just the, the important part of the story. Okay. So last fall, and by the way, let me preface all this by saying I haven't even gone fully live with my website yet. So you, you two are like, (laughs) You, you've gone. We're like the stalkers. My parents, my parents don't even know. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to have to tell them about the website first before I show them the <laughs> or I'm going to be in deep trouble. <laughs> so, so last fall, I went to go visit a friend of mine in, uh, in New York. He lives in Brooklyn, uh, a high school friend of mine. And we were going to go see a midnight showing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That I think is crazy, too. A midnight showing of that? That's yeah. insane. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, I that was, was just 10, my side note. It was technically, I think it was technically 10 p.m. But okay. They, still, uh, late still, late. still so late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Late night showing. And it was something, it was something that we, we, Rocky Horror was something that bonded us in, mm-hmm. in, in high school. We, we oh, knew okay. the movie. We, we enjoyed it. We mm-hmm. didn't do any midnight showings in high school. <laughs> but he said, you know, it, it, there's a couple of theaters near me that, that are showing it. And, and let's let's make a weekend of it. So he lives in a six-story building oh my goodness. Uh, that has an elevator in Brooklyn. And, and it's in a Jewish part of Brooklyn. And the reason that that part of the story is important is because I was there on a weekend. And it was a Jewish holiday weekend. Mm. And which that Friday at 5 yep. p.m., mm-hmm. Right. It's it's um, everybody's going to services and, and they're unreachable and, and, you know, they don't communicate, et cetera, um, during during their observance of the holiday. So I got there on a Thursday and everything was fine. And then Friday night, we were supposed to go meet up with another high school, old high school friend of ours for dinner. And we got to the elevator and the elevator wasn't working. And it was after 5 p.m. So getting a hold of his building company was next to impossible. And evidently the way it works in New York City is I think there's a buildings department or something that you Mm. can call to essentially register a complaint, but that's kind of as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. And so we said to them, what we did, we did, what we did on Friday was we didn't, we didn't do anything on Friday night. We just hung out, ordered pizza, Mm -hmm. stayed in his, and, but Saturday we had plans Mm -hmm. and Saturday night was going to be the movie. And so we, we, I'm sorry if I'm not being articulate. I just uh, didn't realize it. So anyhow, so he calls this building's department and he says, listen, I've got a friend in a wheelchair here. We've got things to do. How do I get him out of the building? And the only option that we were given was essentially to call the fire department, emergency services. And we thought about it. We thought about it. And I, and my immediate thought is don't call the fire department. What if there's a fire? Yeah. Right? I, let's not call yeah. these guys away. Yeah. Um, you know, they're actual. Yeah. So, yeah. So we end up we end up calling the fire department, and I said, "Look, this this is where we came out. Call them, but tell them that when you called, I think three one one is the is their information services. Mm. Tell them that you called three one one, and three one one told you to do this. That this was the only option that they gave you, and so." Calls the fire department and the woman, the dispatcher said, oh, we'll have someone out there right away. And we thought, oh, okay, well, that's, that, that went well. <laughs> <laughs> and within less than 10 minutes, you hear the oh, Yeah, John, that just, I, oh my goodness. And as soon as we heard the siren, my friend and I looked at each other and just said, <laughs> uh, I think our ride's here. <laughs> like, and, I don't need this kind of attention. <laughs> Right. So then six firemen come upstairs to his apartment. I went out in the hall at this point because I'm like, all right, look, look, we'll try to make this somewhat easier on them. And they come upstairs and they said, okay, are you going to the hospital? And I said, no. 
and they all kind of look at each other. <laughs> they come back to me and they said, all right, well, we're not, we don't understand. You're, you're not going to the hospital. I said, no, I don't need to. We just, we have the stuff to do today. <laughs> just, we have plans. We want to get on the ground floor. Yeah. And the guy said, all right, well, are you going to a doctor's office? No. <laughs> we just like, go about our day. They whisper among themselves again. Finally, they come back and they said, all right, well, listen, um, normally we're not allowed or supposed to do this, but since we're already here, we'll help you down the stairs. So I'm like, great. Well, making me feel like, you know, at this point you're humiliated. Yeah. And, and what are you supposed to do? I mean, right, that's the thing. Yeah. So the next thing I know, they bring up this seat, this chair, very thin chair with a gazillion straps on it. And it was, a, it reminded me of that platform thing that Hannibal Lecter was rolled out on. Oh, this, this is where that comes in. Oh, no. Gotcha. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm looking around. Where's the mask, guys? You know? Oh, my gosh. It's like so a little trolley. They wouldn't, take, they wouldn't take me down in my chair. They, w- they would only take me down in this... Contraption, in this yeah. Con- <laughs> so I get into the chair... They strap me in every imaginable way. Like there's, I'm not moving at all. I'm, I'm surprised I can breathe with how much they. <laughs> You're they not falling down the stairs. <laughs> and then they're, and then they're, you know, they're rolling me or, you know, pulling me, dragging me, the six flights down the stairs. Meanwhile, all of the people that live in this building <laughs> have into the hallways because they heard the siren. They've heard all the commotion. So I'm now being looked at by all of these yeah. people as I'm being. Out the taken out of the building, so we get out out of the out of the building, and the firemen look at us and they say, "All right, well, are you coming back here later tonight?" And my friend and I knew where they were going, and we just said, "Look, we'll make arrangements to stay somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We won't come back here." It's like, "Sorry to inconvenience no. you guys. You know, we won't we won't call you again." So then we we ended up going about our day. Now this was not in the blog, but I'm going to share this with you. <laughs> Because this oh, good! Time. A bonus! A bonus! <laughs> I get extra credit. Mm-hmm. There's a bonus. We get to the movie theater. Now I'm 45 years old, and I have never experienced this in my entire life. We get to the movie theater, and it's you know it's normally like high school kids working behind the counter mm-hmm. and all that. And we we come in, and we he had our tickets on his phone electronically, and he you know he scans them, and the the young woman behind the counter looks at us, and she's got this kind of frightened look in her face and she says you guys are here to see rocky for we said yes and she said oh um well that movie is being shown upstairs we don't have an elevator so my poor friend who has uh, done everything imaginable yeah. to take care of everything over this entire weekend has not only had his elevator break down in his building but now the movie theater that we are going to has a second floor that doesn't showing have an elevator. oh my gosh and he looked he is now mortified. He says, John, I'm so sorry. I said, Joe, I've never been to a movie theater with two floors yeah. and didn't have an elevator. I wouldn't have thought to look yeah. into this either. No. And he said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, we're already here. I'm just going to scoot my butt up the stairs. You carry the chair. We're going to have a good night. Like, just forget it. You know, Persistence. Am I, well, am I happy about this? Of course not. But what are you going to do at that yeah. point? Go home? No. We're here to see this movie. Yeah. I think those teenage so, boys that are working there. They should have helped. That's yeah. right. So you scooted up I'm the stairs? Sure, I'm not sure they would have been able to. Oh. <laughs> okay. Not sure they would have been able yeah. to. 
They might have been enough said. Enough maybe, said. <laughs> maybe the wheelchair, but 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 my friend, we were both more comfortable just the two of us yeah. doing it. So yes, that was my my uh, Rocky Horror oh. Animal Actor and Accessibility story. And I just I really like I said I so appreciate you sharing that because I never like I know stuff like that has to happen. Mm-hmm. to people sadly unfortunately and i know we're giggling about it now because you have such a good sense of humor about it but oh my gosh that it it infuriates me and more needs well, to be done option, yeah when the only option that you're given sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but when the only option that you're given is call emergency services that's yeah. not right yeah there should be options and we collectively mm-hmm. need to look at well what can those other options look like right because there got to be we there's got to be a better way, mm-hmm. and you know, and we and we do know better. So let's let's yeah, do better. We definitely can do better. I also didn't think about until you had mentioned it too that, you know, these towns like New York and Connecticut with all these old buildings, mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. hard too. We have a um, as Colleen's coughing. <coughs> um, we have a lady um, at my work in a wheelchair that wanted to go see the Herbert Hoover House in Newburgh, which is kind of a a town outside of a little suburb away from us. But she couldn't go because it's a historical building, and they don't have a ramp or anything for her to go in. So she doesn't get to go experience that. I loved that you said somewhere about having more of these facilities, having a tour, a virtual tour. That people could do at the very least, if they're not if they're not able be ADA compliant, uh, then at least have another option. Because this right. woman think will of, never get to see it. Uh, no, think think of something. I, I I struggle with that here. I'm 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 serving currently on a committee that is that meets at a historical building that is not the best when it comes to accessibility. And I've told the two people that co-chair the organization, look. Let's consider holding our meetings elsewhere. I get, I get the significance of the building and mm-hmm. the pageantry of this building, mm-hmm. but let's be practical, yeah. right? And especially given the kind of work that we're doing, yeah. Uh, let's let's be mindful of, of where we're meeting. Should be common because, sense. <laughs> mm, you'd like to think so. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I think one other thing you brought up, and it kind of has to do with having a tour too, is having like digital accessibility. That was another mind-blowing thing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, mm-hmm. John. Sorry. Um, I love well, You don't need to. That. No, don't apologize. Look, everybody everybody needs to learn these things. Yeah. I learned about, I just learned about digital accessibility in the last probably four or five years mm-hmm. myself. You know, I didn't think about websites that need, you know, you, they need to be accessible to, to screen readers for mm-hmm. people who are blind or low vision. And, and you want certain colors that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you could have a beautiful website. The colors aren't appropriate, then there'll be a certain population that won't be able to, mm-hmm. to view your web. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, um, Teresa, and I've been trying yeah. to be mindful of that building my own website. Yes, mom, I've built my own website. I'll show it to you. Teresa and I have talked about closed captioning because this was the first year the Super Bowl had some options for closed captioning and I'm hearing impaired. And so if I watch a show that the closed captioning isn't done great, I'm not watching the show. And I don't blame which is a bummer for you. Which is missing a bummer. Out. Right. Yeah. And so for some reason, when I thought of digital accessibility, I just thought of those darn closed captions. Mm-hmm. But there is so much more to that. Yeah. Um, closed captions are not the end-all be-all, right? Mm-hmm. Because you still have a, a percentage of the of the deaf and hard-hearing community yeah. that, that can't read. Mm-hmm. So you oh, have okay. to have other options mm-hmm. for those folks, too. 
Right. right. I, I love that you are doing work for the reserved parking. Yeah. And I yes. am one that, let me tell you, if I see somebody without one of those <laughs> signs, I am all over it. But then you made a comment about, you know, don't judge. You you have no idea. They could have some disability that you can't really tell. And so, like, okay, I need to be more patient because if John says that, then I really should. But um, I also am, re- I'm guilty <coughs> of, like, if I go into a public restroom, I am guilty of taking that big stall because it's empty and it's luxurious and it's just me. And after hearing you on another Same. podcast, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because mm-hmm. even though I'm really quick, I'm not quick enough if someone who comes in that needs that stall. Because if you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's you know, that's the that's the bottom line. And, and um Listen, and that's, as as I've said, you know, that's challenging, too, because as the person with a disability going into that, that, you know, that men's room or that women's room, seeing someone in that stall, maybe the other stalls were full five minutes ago. I don't know. Yeah. So I would want to be as mad at you as you would want to be with someone who's parking in a reserve spot, right? So it's, it works both ways. and, And we... We all kind of collectively have to be more patient yeah. with each other on those kind of yeah. things. But yeah, don't, don't, don't. Well, do and that's what I'm so glad that you taught me that. I mean, taught me a lot of things, but even just down to the toilet stall that I'm going to choose at the restroom. So just so many things that we all need to be more aware of. So I appreciate that you're doing what you're doing. Besides just educating ourselves, how else can we promote more change? Besides being better, being more tolerant. Um, can we send letters to, you know, are, are there government officials that we can, are there websites that we can go to, to, to voice things? I mean, while I can't point to specifics mm-hmm. uh, off the top of my head, I would just say, start by researching lo- local organizations mm-hmm. that you might be helpful mm-hmm. uh, and go from there and, and expand, expand your, your research mm-hmm. from there. The second thing that I would say is because this happens a lot. If you want to address the issues of the disability or help address the issues mm-hmm. of the disability community, do it with their involvement. Yeah. Because yes. they're the experts yeah. of what of, of how things could potentially be solved. Yes. And if you think you can do it on your own, or if you're gonna do it without their inclusion, then you're not yeah. being inclusive. No. No. And yeah. and um, and you might end up creating more problems. I was just going to say, if I'm doing it on my own, I'm creating a bigger problem. Yes. So, yes, right? definitely. So, so there's a phrase that the disability community uses uh, that it says nothing about us without us. Mm. So if you're going mm-hmm. to address their needs mm-hmm. or work on solving mm-hmm. any of their concerns, problems, or, and issues, mm-hmm. include them in the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the yeah. biggest thing that you can do. Always be inclusive of, of them. Mm-hmm. In conversation, in activities, mm-hmm. in in all aspects of life. Yeah, and I may have to go to the Herbert Hoover House and just do my own video and share it with the. <laughs> That's with a the really gallon. good idea. Well, because they're not going to change it, so that might have you to be. You could do a little narration. And... Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> she would not want to do, see that part. But. John, I have one more question for you, too. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, closed yeah. captioning. She, she yeah. does need she does need closed captioning. Too. Okay, I'll do the typing for that. 
<laughs> I wanted to ask you just one more question, too. Where do you see yourself, like, in five years? What would you like to be doing in five years? Same thing, different things? If I could be doing a mixture of continuing to be an advocate and also I'd love to travel and, and, do, and do inspirational and motivational mm-hmm. speaking. I mean, if I can... Figure out a way to combine those two and and get paid and mm-hmm. you know, put food on the table. Right? I I Let's think you are so inspiring. So that's why I reached out. I saw you on Bump on the Road, and yeah, the stuff that you've can that you've done and just kept such a great attitude. That's that's huge right there. Kept such a because attitude I think is everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I really thank you. I appreciate everything that you're doing, and mm-hmm. I think that I would love to see you travel all over. If right. you came to the Portland area, we would buy a ticket. Yes. We'd come watch you. Well, hey, if you uh, if you are aware of any places that I could go speak that, that, uh, or events, you know, please reach out. I will be happy to figure out how to do it. So your motivational, it, it's your speaking is on your website. It has a, uh, a contact, right? Quietly, yeah. yes, <laughs> correct. Yes, eventually, that's what we're working towards. And that's yes. johnslifka.com? Correct. J-O-N-S-L-I-F-K-A, just for people that need to have it spelled. Yes. So yes. thank you so much. And thank I, you, um, yeah, I wish you the best. And maybe we can have you back again. Yes. Talk about I'd more improvements that are happening in the world. Yes. I'd be happy to come so. back anytime. Thank you, thank you. Thanks. All right, John. Thank you so much. We want to hear from you. Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life and like or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at tangentialinspirationpodcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week.